0: Valentine's Day is kind of a weird holiday. We care for our loved ones year-round, so why do we need to demarcate one day as more romantic than the rest? What is it about February 14th that sends butterflies into people's stomachs and compels them to buy heart-shaped boxes of chocolate? Maybe it isn't the love that makes Valentine's Day so special, but the act of profession, of telling someone you care and exposing your vulnerability to the world. So today on News & Culture, we talk about love letters and professing love in unique ways, and try to make your evening just a little more romantic. It might only be February 11th, but love is in the air today on News & Culture. I'm your host, Adam Sanders. First up, News and culture reporters Izzy Jacobson and Issa Escamilla talked to a couple that got married last December. Bucking the trend of Americans getting married later and later, these two got hitched at the age of 19.
1: This is Nubia.
2: I'm Nubia Morales, she,
3: her.
1: She's a 20-year-old student at Princeton, originally from Glendale, California. And this is Yvette. Hi, I'm Yvette.
4: She's a 21-year-old currently living in Watsonville, California.
1: Less than a month ago, they got married. And before you ask, no. One of them isn't pregnant. No, they're not super religious. No, they don't think they're making a huge mistake. They're just two people in love who wanted to get married. And before you judge them, hear them out. This is their love letter to each other,
2: their story.
5: Now I know a girl and her name is Sheila,
2: Sheila, If my Sheila. mom asked me how we met, you know, we met through mutual friend.
4: <laughs> That's code word for Tinder. The couple spent a few days sliding into each other's DMs before actually meeting up. Their first date, in the true spirit of romance, was at Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: Recently, when our parents um, had dinner together, I was telling um, Yvette's mom about how on our first date, She really wanted onion rings. Her mom was all like, Yvette, onions on the first date?
1: (laughs) Turns out, onions weren't too bad of a move. Their first date lasted eight hours. Three dates later, Nubia and Yvette were official.
2: What stood out the most was the conversations we had in the beginning. Someone who was so willing to be mindful and to give reassurance and... Not only that, but just be weird together. <laughs> the more I got to know her, um, I
6: realized how very supportive she is of my lifestyles <laughs> Because I do a lot of very interesting things. Like, for one, I ride a motorcycle, you know. And then there was this one time where I was fixing this uh, this BMW. It was past two in the morning that I was, I was literally on the floor, of so doing it. And then she was there the whole time. She sat on the floor. She even fell asleep, like sitting and everything because she was watching me i'm glad i have that kind of support even though i told her she didn't have to stay down with me in the garage until like two in the morning that really maybe you know say yeah this is this is the person
2: i always felt like it no matter how hurt i was and i still feel like no matter how hurt i am or how angry or how um misunderstood i feel like i feel like she is such a safe to go to mm-hmm. I thought that it was a luxury to feel like I can talk about my feelings yeah. um and not be yelled at or I can talk about my feelings and not be shamed for them the more I got to fall in love with a vet like the more in love I was I realized that that what I had experienced in the past wasn't love because love isn't supposed to hurt yeah yeah love is kind love is mindful and and love is a vet
4: the two were inseparable, seeing each other in between work shifts and visiting the beach on days off. It was actually there where Nubia, the self-proclaimed talkative one, told Yvette she loved her for the first time.
2: I remember there was this point where we were driving there and I got so nervous that like, I, I don't know, I started to cry. I started to cry in the car and Yvette pulled to the side immediately. Mm -hmm. and she's like are you okay and I was like yeah (laughs) like yeah I'm okay so then I was like don't worry I'll tell you later I'll tell you later why I'm crying we're at the beach and I'm like almost (laughs) hyperventilating and she goes like it's okay and I was like okay I have to tell you something I feel silly now but then I was like I love you and she goes oh and then I was like well say something
1: (laughs) (laughs) needless to say Yvette said it back but not everything was sun and sand Nubia had been accepted to Princeton, and her move across the country was quickly impending. The couple, madly in love, had to decide what to make of their relationship, or so they thought. Looks
7: so good, it's bachelor's dream. I don't know where I should begin.
4: The pandemic threw a wrench into Nubia's plans to attend Princeton in the fall of 2020. She decided to defer a year and stay in her home state of California, It was during that period when Nubian Yvette realized that, despite the
6: challenges, they wanted to spend the rest of their lives together. I think there was this one day where we literally asked each other like a hundred freaking questions, you know, (laughs) about what we wanted, this and that. That's when I knew, like, we had the same kind of goals, futures. It's just, it was a perfect match is what I'm saying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, swipe right.
1: Nubia decided she wanted to marry Yvette when the two were in the car one afternoon. This time, Yvette was the one who burst out into tears, struck by the beauty of her girlfriend.
2: That's the moment where I was all like, wow, I'm with such an amazing person that like, they look at me and they feel so much love that they're crying. These are tears of joy. And I don't know, I just know that I want to have that by my side for the rest of my life.
4: The two thought it over for months. They considered just dating long distance, but something about their relationship felt more special than that.
6: They wanted to get married. Well, I was kind of worried at first, you know, we're young. People are going to be kind of judgy about it. I thought about it a little bit more and I was like, I don't care Like, if I get married young. Like, what's the worst that could happen, you know, mm-hmm. the divorce? Like, no, nothing bad is going to happen if something bad isn't turning out, you know.
1: Both Nubia and Yvette come from divorced households. They understand the risks in their decision to get married. But for them, it's worth it.
6: I knew Nubia was the person I wanted to be with. And she made it obvious to me, too, that she wanted to be with me. Because it wouldn't be fun if it was one-sided, you know? Well, as the saying goes,
2: first comes love, then comes marriage. Let's just preface this by saying I slid in the DMs. (laughs) I... Asked her out officially to be my girlfriend. I was the one making all the big moves until... I'm the one that
1: There's this TikTok trend where each person has a canvas and paints for two minutes. When the timer goes off, they switch canvases. It's supposed to create two pieces of art that embody both artists. Nubia and Yvette did it at the beach. Super cute.
2: So on the last round, before we switch, um, Yvette had put on hers, like, will you marry me? And I was like, what?
4: <laughs> She said yes. Then she went to college across the country.
2: One of my sweet mates had came up to me when, I, when she first recently found out that I was engaged. And so she's like, are you sure? Like, like are you sure you wanna get married? And I was like, yeah, I'm very sure. And I explained to her that like, I've been so unsure of everything in my life, but I know that for a fact that I've never been unsure about a vet. I don't know, I feel like, yes, I'm young, And, yes, people could say, like, there's so much more to experience. But I feel like I've already experienced a lot. I've already had the phase where I wasn't dating to marry. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want that anymore. Mm -hmm. I I wanted someone to spend time with that was valuable to me. You know, time is valuable.
1: Last month, the pair made it official at City Hall in Watsonville. They had to push the date back a week from when they had originally planned, And their witnesses had a last minute conflict, but even so, it was perfect.
2: But our wedding was basically very early in the morning, and it was a really cool group. We were all like a pretty goth punk looking group going up (laughs) to City Hall. We got married right there and then, and afterwards we went to Starbucks. (laughs) We all got ourselves some Starbucks, used my discount, and then we got celebratory burritos.
4: At her work shift later that day, Nubia's co-workers surprised her with a veil and a just-married sash. Customers offered her words of wisdom. She said she appreciates all the knowledge and advice that she can get.
2: I actually went to my boss at Starbucks, and I was like, hey, um, I know this affects me somehow, but um, I'm married, and he was like, oh my god, congratulations. I was like, ah, you know, the whole congratulations bit. And then I was like, But what do I need to do? He took me to the back and to the computer and showed me how to change that to my Mm W-2. And so it's just looking and then like it helps to have someone looking with you.
1: Now they're married, living across the country from one another. It's really hard. For Nubia, the key to everything is communication.
2: One phone call can change everything. It gets really hard because we miss each other, you know. And we have hard days or sometimes something difficult happens and we just want our person to be there. We just always remind each other, like, remember, we're going to get those two dogs. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I know you want a really cool car. Yeah, the kids, the kids. <laughs> we do this for the kids. <laughs>
6: As for Yvette,
2: uh, when I miss her a little bit
6: too much, I just fly over.
1: Yvette is flying into Princeton this week for Valentine's Day. For news and culture, this has been Izzy Jacobson and Isa Escamilla.
0: Next, we hear a story from the other end of the spectrum, as reporters Clara McWeeny and Anna Salvatore talk to someone who found love again later in life, at the age of 92.
8: Many people are lucky enough to find one love in life. Ed Waxpress considered himself one of those lucky people, until he met Joanna and found his second love without even looking for it. Today... Ed speaks to WPRB about falling in love at age 17, and then again at age 92.
9: Ed met his first love, Natalie, as a summer camp counselor in New Jersey.
10: Natalie was 11 years older than her kid brother Harvey, and he wouldn't go to summer camp unless she went too. Mm-hmm. So she was there as a counselor, and I was there as a counselor, and her brother was one of my uh, um, my campers that I took care of. And uh, so we uh, sort of coupled off for the summer and uh, it turned out to be permanent. And we just, you know, it just was a natural thing is just we enjoyed each other's company and we had a good loving relationship from the beginning.
8: After meeting as teenagers, Ed and Natalie got married and remained together for the next 53 years.
10: It was a 53-year honeymoon, for that matter, pretty near.
9: With the honeymoon came children, grandchildren, and a few dogs along the way. way. But 17 years ago, Natalie passed away of hepatitis C after
8: receiving a blood transfusion.
10: So for the last 17 years or so, uh, I was single.
8: Joanna came to Ed's retirement community in August of last year. They met on Joanna's first day at the community, when she had one request.
10: And she asked, One of the um, dining staff was seating people. If He could find somebody interesting for her to sit with. He sat her with me.
9: By October, the two were inseparable.
10: It didn't take us long to realize that we were uh, falling in love with each other. We just wound up together. And uh, it was just a natural thing. She'd see me sitting somewhere, and she'd come and sit next to me. I'd see her sitting somewhere... And I'd come and sit next to her.
8: For Ed, falling in love at 92 looks a little different than it did as a teenager. At our age,
10: a marriage is sort of a, not necessary. It's different. Because when you're younger, you're falling in love with someone, in my case, who's going to be the mother of my children, is going to live with me for many years. At my age now... We're not looking toward a long future together. We'll just live together while our health holds up and then we'll, we'll no longer be together.
9: There's something special about the fact that none of this was planned.
10: We, neither of us ever, ever thought that this would happen to us again. You just think you're just beyond that and you get to a certain age, but
8: why not? Like much of their relationship, The first night Ed and Joanna spent together was a bit of a surprise. Ed had already spent the day at her apartment, and by night he was planning to leave. He walked into the driveway, tried to open his car door, and ran into a problem. The door was frozen shut.
10: So I came back to the apartment, and I said, "Uh, my my door's frozen shut, I can't drive out. So we wound up together, and uh, in the morning... We said, you know, I could have walked home indoors. But we just didn't think of it the night before.
9: At this point in the conversation, Ed tells us that he's sitting in Joanna's apartment right now.
10: Let me see if she's here. I think she might be. I'll be back, maybe.
8: He did come back, but without Joanna.
10: We have, a, we have an understanding. When she goes to her bedroom... And closes the bedroom door. I do not deserve her.
9: When the door isn't closed, Ed and Joanna don't shy away from talking about each other's past. They even welcome it.
10: I was just looking today with Joanna at the videos I took when Natalie and I were in Australia, and there's one particular you might remember it, Dan and Amy, where a. Uh, a crimson rosella perched on her shoulder while she was eating a tuna sandwich and she was feeding the rosella and it was walking behind her neck from one side to the other. And I asked Natalie, did you ever think that the bird might decide to let loose on you? And she gave a wry look and said, I was thinking of that.
8: Memories like this one serve as a reminder of the past, but also as a gift in the present. Two people sharing stories of loves lost and lives led. These memories may be with other people, but they make Ed and Joanna who they are today.
10: embrace the memories, to keep them alive, and she has hers, I have mine, and we have ours.
0: When was the last time you called a relative just to say you loved them? Coming up next, news and culture reporters Charlie Nurnberger and Kat Ivkovic do just that, inviting some guests to our studio to let their relatives know how they really feel.
11: In today's contentious political atmosphere, even saying I love you can feel like a difficult undertaking. This week, we spoke to a number of students, asking them to call someone simply to tell them they were loved. What we discovered was that sometimes this sentiment was better left silently, but mutually understood, than said.
12: Hello, today we are in the WPRB studio with Oren Christopher Belitho. Thank you. Talking about love. And so we wanted to know if A, you have someone (laughs) that you love. Why?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Do I look like someone who wouldn't have someone to love?
12: No, no, no particular. You know what? You just call them and tell them that you love them will do. And who who are you going to call?
7: I'm going to call my mummy.
12: Okay, uh, mummy Susie.
7: Mummy Susie. Okay. I, I I just wanted to say that I I love you. Aww. Are
13: you are
7: you able to say that now? <laughs> was was I not in the past? Mummy, mummy, this is not the response I was respe- expecting to, to to get in return. <laughs> right, right. But I just wanted to let you know I I really love you and I, I I'm I'm very grateful for you and uh, I just wanted Aww. to say thank yes yeah. yeah. Well, that means a lot. I
14: try and I try and share it around. I know it seems I'm dashing here then everywhere, but
4: I always try and be there
7: for you if you if. I I know I know.
4: Yeah. Alright, will you sound a little bit more upbeat got the beat
7: about the world? Yes, because well, I have love.
12: At this point, Ori broke out in song that lasted for a decent bit. So we'll just summarise it as a beautiful rendition of We Are The World, We Are The People. And then he continued talking to his mom.
7: Okay, okay. Well, I, I'd like to let you know that I would take you to dinner. And I would, I, you'd be my valentine. But not how in like an incestuous way, things. but like, uh, in like, in like a, a familial way. <laughs> That's how I took it. Right. We <laughs> just wanted to make sure we were all clear. <laughs> I know there are some of you, <laughs> but no, no, I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I am teasing do not think anyone's yes. listening in on our conversation, but I just like to make it crystal clear it never crossed my mind. <laughs> yes, yes, Yeah. Yes. But yes, no, I'll, I'll let you get back to work. Um, but yes, I just wanted to say I love you and uh, I'm excited to see you soon.
12: After his call, Charlie and I attempted to ask Ori some questions about his mom and his relationship, uh, but it was made difficult by the fact that Ori has a very, very good sense of humor that kept us all laughing.
7: Sorry. <laughs> sorry. 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 Back to the question.
12: You can't make me laugh. You have an Ori. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ori, how do you show your mother you love her? <laughs> no, again. <coughs> Ori, how do you show your mother you love her?
7: Um, also a really good question. You're kidding it, Kat. Um, I think I think for me, the way I, I show my love for her is um, by for something. And, and, and she's like like doing those small things are like a big way of like helping her because, you know, like she has a lot of stuff going on in her life um, and things that she needs to get done. So like by helping her and like making her life a little bit easier, um, I think that's how I am able to show my love for her.
12: I think that's really beautiful, and I could tell from the phone call she really loves you too. Was it helpful at all to call her tell her you love her
7: yeah yeah i think i think affirmations like that really make a difference yeah, yeah. so thank you w p b p r b p p r b thank you radio (laughs) pwp sorry the name is really quite the mouthful Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, for doing that of
12: course and to all the mothers out there you are loved this valentine's day after ori's heartfelt conversation with his mom about love and non incestuous familial valentines we moved on to a different kind of love one between a father and a son for this we asked Nick Masters, a freshman on the Princeton University wrestling team, to call his father back at home and see what he had to say.
5: Can't talk for like super long, but I just wanted to tell you that. Uh, just wanted to tell you that you know I love you and everything, and that I uh, hope it's all going well. I love you too. Any uh any Valentine's Day plans with uh mom? Um, he is. It's uh, it's uh it's Monday.
12: Though he didn't know when Valentine's Day was, he did have a lot of life lessons to impart, and also a lot of support and love to give.
13: Can't wait, Nicholas. This is your life. You've got to be the driver. If somebody ain't doing it. You got to be emailing them every day and going, "Hey." I mean, you know what? You're my son. I love you. Mm -hmm. You you have to leave there and you come back here. You got to go to another college to wrestle, don't wrestle, go to Kennesaw State. I can handle all that. I love you.
12: After a couple of minutes, Nick's father decided to take the conversation into a completely different direction. We were all surprised when he began talking about his historical and sociological musings on the LGBT community and the animal kingdom.
13: Society, maybe 3 to 5% are, are are gay.
7: Well,
3: 3 to 5 are or 3 to 5 identify yeah. as it?
13: Well, whatever. I mean, how do you, either you are, I mean, well, why would you identify as something if you're not it? That's like me identifying as a black man and I'm not black. You just go through history, Nicholas. I mean, if you just go through history, it's about 3 to 5%, period. Go through the animal kingdom. That's about what it is. I mean, it's not rampant. So if half the population is gay, that means that every time the population changes, half the population goes away, and the other half are just producing enough to keep them alive.
8: Mm
14: -hmm.
13: So the next time around, you half that, so pretty soon there are no people because everybody...
7: Is gay. They're not having children. You understand? Yeah. Well, I gotta go
5: help these right, people mate. on the math stuff. All right, I'll see you. All right, bye. bye.
11: After these more or less sappy declarations of love, expert roommate and local New Yorker Alessandro Trancoso offered us a real glimpse of what brotherhood means to him.
5: What? Hey, Marcella. Yeah, what's up? Hey, I know I don't tell you this a lot, but I just wanted to say I love you and that I'm proud of you and that I know you're going to go wherever you're going to go. And uh, don't stress too much. I know you stress a lot in school, so just do your best, okay? You got this. Sure.
10: All
5: right. Tell your girlfriend I say hi, okay? Okay. (laughs) All right, Marcello. Bye.
10: Yes, Sleep.
11: To conclude this segment of our News & Culture program, we spoke with local comedy improv artist Dana Corbo, who provided us with a poignant conversation on the value of these declarations of love with her friend Max from Arizona.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm just calling to let you know that I love you dearly. Me? Yeah, you.
11: Oh, God. I I get really uncomfortable in these situations.
10: I, I don't know what to say.
1: There's nothing to say. I just I just love you. I'm just letting, I'm just reminding you, letting you know. Really? Yeah.
11: Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That, I'm very I'm pleased.
1: Dance for me, <laughs> monkey. Now you react.
11: There was there was
13: there was no there was no lead in.
1: I was thrown off the deep end. No. Yeah. That was that was the point.
11: How many times do you think you use okay. the word love in in your daily vocabulary? Dude, so many times.
1: In like an I exaggerated them, way or like genuinely?
11: Like it's just a force of habit, but I do I do mean it a lot. When I'm talk when I talk to someone, when I'm talking
0: to someone on the phone or whatever it is, and I'm enjoying the conversation, I tell them I love them. And I do love them. Because talking with like being able to connect with someone is such a a gift as like pretentious as that sounds because like you know your time with everybody is limited and you're just put through so much shit in this world that you don't often get to feel that and so it's really nice when you can connect it's a gift it's a gift because you form memories and then that becomes the well that you draw from so it's very when i tell someone i love them i usually i you know i mean it and there are different
10: forms of love but i i do and i use it a lot
11: the emotional heart of the episode so be the part where it gets a little is a like, core,
10: like the tearjerker. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with
0: my dad is he he loves he loves me a lot, and he always he always tells me it. But it's like I dude, sometimes I get like uncomfortable when my dad tells me he loves me for some reason.
11: Just
12: elaborate
11: like, on that. It's like incessant. He'll like be like be like my
10: Max, my Max, I love you, I love you so much. You are my you are my everything. I'm like dude, I fu- I get it. Okay, I love you too. My God.
1: Your dad's very free with his words that way.
10: He's, he's I a really sweet. love it.
1: He calls you and scarling and stuff, and you're
11: he's he's precious,
1: right? Yeah.
11: So we we appreciate it greatly, Max. Thank you uh, for thank letting you for taking us time out of your day, pick your brain, uh, being vulnerable. I
6: love I love you guys.
11: Mainly <laughs> Dana, <Danubelle>. though. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. I okay. will give you that one.
13: Bye.
11: Bye. Wow, that was great.
0: Coming up next, reporters Alan Plotz and Raina Koulibaly learn about the long tradition of love letters and how our conceptions of past love might not always be so accurate.
12: Now you have made me perfectly happy, happier than I have ever been in my life. The only kind of happiness now possible for the rest of my life is now with me. And though it is the deepest happiness, which is identical with my deepest loss and sorrow, It is a kind of supernatural ecstasy.
15: That was noted poet and playwright T.S. Eliot in a letter to Emily Hale, his close friend and a teacher. It may seem like a typical love letter, but as we will see in this segment, there's much more going on in this relationship. Today on WPRB News and Culture, we'll be exploring some historic love letters and their implications long-term.
14: Emily Hale, at the very least, a dear friend of T.S. Eliot's. They corresponded for many years and there was a lot of speculation that they were more than just friends. These letters proved that to be true.
15: This is Emma Sarconi. She's the outreach librarian and reference specialist for special collections at Firestone Library in Princeton University. She sat down with WPRB News and Culture to tell us a little bit more about these love letters between T.S. Eliot and Emily Hale, or just letters, I guess, and other love letters through the ages.
14: They exchanged letters for a lot of their lives, or for a significant period of their lives, But T.S. Eliot was married to a woman named Vivian, who also really struggled with her own mental health battles. Her story is like a particularly sad one. And so T.S. Eliot and Vivian Eliot were married. And while they were married, uh, he was exchanging these letters with Emily Hale that again have like a, a, a significant intimacy. And then Vivian Eliot, died fairly tragically she was again committed to what at the time was called an asylum died of what was diagnosed as a heart attack but she was only in her early 40s really really terrible situation all around so when that happened there was sort of this idea that maybe emily and and tom could finally get together but instead t.s Eliot cut off his relationship with emily hale and he married his second wife, Victoria, who was his secretary. And he sort of, he just kind of cut off his relationship with Emily Hale. So, and he burned all of her letters to him, but she kept all of his letters to her. And so he decided to give his papers. So all of his material, his letters, his correspondence with her, his correspondence with other people, his manuscripts to Harvard. And she decided to give her papers, her letters with him to us. But one of the stipulations was that she had to, we had to keep them under locking and key for 50 years after whomever passed away first, right? It was either 50 years after her death or 50 years after his death.
15: So the day came in January 2020 and they opened the boxes of letters and everybody's waiting to see these letters.
14: Harvard, who has his papers, released a statement that he wrote sort of anticipating this Opening, because he knew that she had done this Mm. and so he wrote what is called his narrative of their relationship.
15: And it was not pretty. Emily Hale would have killed the poet in me.
7: In retrospect, the nightmare agony of my 17 years with Vivian seems to me
15: preferable to the dull misery of the mediocre teacher philosophy which would have been the alternative. That was from Eliot's 1960 narrative given to Harvard.
14: And it's so spiteful and um cruel and frankly like as a woman who has had her heart broken by a man like reading it I felt um, quite uh, worked up on her behalf because it just was like how dare he like bel- he belittles her and he like accuses her of like taking advantage of their relationship it just is so petty and small from a man who um who we know, through his writing, was so passionate and and so careful with his words. And then on the other side of that, Emily Hale somehow gathered that he had written this document, and so she wrote one of her own describing their relationship. We
8: met under these new difficult circumstances on each of the visits he continued to make to the country for personal or professional reasons. The question of his changed attitude was discussed, but nothing was gained by any further conversation.
14: The tones are just like completely different. The whole collection is just a window into them as a couple through these huge periods of time, these huge changes in who they were as individuals and how they related to each other.
15: Honestly, my fellow co-reporter Reyna and I came away from the story feeling pretty disheartened. But Emma reminds us that there are a lot of ways that these letters could also empower their writers, even in the more unexpected ways
14: women in particular have enacted a uh, have enacted power by destroying correspondence obviously T S Eliot enacted this power by destroying Hale's correspondence so we don't have any of her words which again i think is like a really violent act, actually. But there are other women who have done this, right? For Hamilton fans out there, right? Eliza burned all of Hamilton's letters. Emily Dickinson wanted her material to be burned, her correspondence to be burned. There is this power in choosing the legacy that you leave on paper.
15: And letters have also maybe not taken exactly the form of empowerment, but at least they have a cloaked visibility take Oscar Wilde for example.
14: We have one book that is given to Oscar Wilde's partner, which we know now. They were they were partners, they were in a relationship.
15: Wilde, a poet and playwright Was in fact imprisoned due to his sexuality from 1895 until 1897. It was a public affair, but his letters offer some insight into his private life.
14: But at the time, you know, even though Wilde was pretty open about his sexuality, still he was imprisoned for that. And so you had to code things in a certain way. You couldn't be open about all of the love in your life.
15: And there are other moments of brightness within these collections of love letters beyond traditional concepts of grand, once-in-a-lifetime romantic love. Our librarian has one option.
14: One of the the best expressions of love actually was the letters between Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra. There's just such an intimacy between those two women in that letter, and Jane Austen is just exactly what you would expect in that private moment. She's like, equally as biting and catty as she is in
9: her books. I was very glad of your letter this morning, for my mother taking medicine, Eliza keeping her bed with the cold, and Charles not coming, made us rather dull and dependent on the post. You tell me much that gives me pleasure, but I think not much to answer.
15: That's from an 1808 letter between Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra.
14: I'd like to say that anybody can end up in a special collection. We have things that I'm sure if you told the people who created them, FYI, you don't know what Princeton is, but in a hundred years, this really elite institution is going to own the letters. Nevertheless,
15: there are still ways that past love letters don't represent everyone.
14: In theory, like we aim to collect human history. We're continuing to try and do that representatively, which has not really happened in the past, but we can't ask for consent in a lot of cases. And so, you know, my colleague, Jen Garcon, who is our new modern manuscripts curate, is really interested in making sure that we're developing relationships with the people that and the families of the people that we are collecting material from and making sure that they are compensated for that material, that it is not a power down dynamic. So these are new custodial models that the library profession is really trying to grapple with so that that power dynamic is not quite as exploitative as it could be. I think particularly for collections not related to white people, this is incredibly important.
15: Today, though, we might just have a chance to share love letters with those in our lives who we care about. So sit back and enjoy these love letters submitted by peers as you write your own. Who knows, maybe they'll end up in a special collection or at least in a special place in someone's heart. This has been WPRB News and Culture.
0: And finally, we read campus open love letters aloud. Here on WPRB. Listen to your fellow friends, students, and members of the Princeton community share their love with the world. There are a lot of ways to tell someone you love them. Text messages are great, it's probably better to say it in person. But we don't always go for it. We shy away from opportunity and we turn down the chances to be open and honest with those who matter to us. News and culture ask the Princeton community to send us their open love letters to be read aloud to the world and to let their loves know just how much they care. For many of our letter writers, love was an unexpected discovery that brought them so much they never knew they missed before.
6: To Edward, from your girlfriend. I didn't think I could love someone so much, and every day that I spend with you makes me fall in love with you more and more. You give me butterflies, the good kind and I feel like you brighten up my day like the sun. Love you, and can't wait to try more lame pickup lines when I see you.
3: I never thought I could be as happy as you make me, and I hope I'm able to make you feel as loved as you make me feel. I appreciate every moment we spend together, even when I lose at pool. Love you, Shateska.
5: I didn't think I would fall in love. I told myself I didn't want to fall in love, and then I met him. I didn't think love would feel like this. I imagined romantic proclamations from outside the window. I imagined violent, incapacitating passions. So I didn't realize the love that would truly get me was the kind that comes when you're folding laundry together, or when you're leaning on each other on the train, or when you both fall asleep watching a movie together. But that's how it got me. And now what I want most is to hold him. Dear lover,
0: I never expected to feel something so intense for anyone, let alone someone who is practically a stranger until something made me pour my heart out to you and bare my soul in a way I've never done before. Do all lovers feel like they are discovering something or do they feel like they are creating something new? I used to hide from people who looked my way, but I think I could live under your gaze forever. I'm not scared of falling anymore. I trust this love will catch me, fragile and ephemeral as it is. Love, your soulmate. For other students, the best way to express their love was to connect it to their studies, to show just how much they care.
9: Once again, love drives me on, that loosener of limbs, bittersweet creature against which nothing can be done, Sappho.
0: All
11: the light that the sun has ever given the earth, this fuel of eons, the source of all chaos and passion, the means to all ends, does not compare to a fraction of the power behind the waves that crash in my soul when I see you. Thank you dearly.
5: To my quantum entanglement pair from the influenced elementary particle. Your love has engulfed me akin to a red supergiant engulfing its planets. You're the main sequence, the perfect fit to my HR diagram that I've searched for all my life. I hope we can live and die together much like a mass-exchange binary incorporating the best of our qualities into each other and become as bright and eminent as supernovae.
0: But moving beyond our classic Valentine's Day considerations of romance, so many of you sent in your letters to your friends, telling them how much they mean to you.
6: To Grady from Adam, You are such a king with your cherub-like curls and incredible new emphasis skills. I see you in the studio, and my heart swells with the sound of a hundred Arcana noise projects. Never again will I leave a CD unreviewed.
3: To Olivia Robinson and Maya Satchel, from Grace Morris. You are my favorite people. There is no me without you. I love you both so dearly. Happy Valentine's Day. To Max, from R. Hi, my best friend.
9: I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being someone I look up to, thank you for being someone I adore, and thank you for being someone I am so proud to love wholeheartedly. You are radiant energy, wholly perfect, and true to yourself. No one has your contagious smile, your beautiful eyes, and your pure heart. My world is better with you in it. Happy early Valentine's Day, my love. I love you.
0: To Annie Liang, from Julia Chang. Your hands are so soft, my heart pounds really fast. Will you be my galantine, Annie Liang?
7: This is to Avi Chesler, the nicest gay Jewish boy ever. Every time I hear you speak, my mind simply explodes from the grace with which you impart criticism and judgment. Your wonderful countenance is simply too much to bear. Please come to Davening with me. I
3: love you. To Adam Bernie Sanders from Your Friends. Dear Adam, you have one of the kindest souls I know. We all love you, keep being real.
0: To Jello from Michelle Liu. You have such a weird and interesting brain. I rave to literally everyone about my beloved Canadian roomie, who builds radios and scales questionable services recreationally, and makes me rethink the meaning of life, legs, and long climbs through vents, all at the small age of 17. Wah, I love you dearly, and I swear I'm only joking when I say I pull the lever on you. Others wrote letters of support, telling their loved ones just how far they'd go to show they care. 2H, from J. have told you before that I could write my senior thesis on all the reasons I love you. And even then, I think I need to go on to grad school to write a whole dissertation because the first book wouldn't be enough. And now I'm limited to 100 words and wasting them on school-related stuff. But it leads me to one of the reasons I love you. You've committed yourself to doing this long-distance thing with me for another four semesters, and you make it so easy. Thank you for spending Valentine's Day with me. I love you.
7: To Bear from Raccoon, my dearest hibernator, it's been too long since I've seen your eyes open. You stopped catching fish with me and basking in the sun. I know this is natural for you during the winter months, but I can tell that you are also forlorn about losing the summer. Whether you're a big snoozing lump or a frolicking honey muncher, I love you and I care for you all the same. P.S. I've left a lump of garbage at your cave.
5: Delicious.
0: You're going through a lot. And things might not be cutesy and romantic right now because of it, but being in it with you every day is all I could ask for and more. I'm learning every day. I feel so much abundance, and we have so much beautiful time. We're not going to lie, some of these are pretty odd, but it's still amazing to see the lengths people will go to share how much they care for their loved ones.
5: To Jacob Santelli from Your Secret Admire. Oh, dearest Jakey, Your eyes sparkle in the eastern seaboard sunlight. Your fleecy eyebrows glint in the morning breeze. Your luscious lips ululate with sensation. Oh, how I desire you. Oh, how I long for your touch. Jacob, oh Jacob, my love, come to me. I remember the first time I laid eyes on your woolly head. I thought you were strange, I confess. And yet... There was something about you that piqued my poignant fancy. Was it your gait? Your below-average stature? Your ways of speech? I'll never know. Even though you do not have the heart nor the gumption, I long for you, Jacob, my love. To Kevin, from Will.
0: I apologize very much for drunkenly approaching you at 10 a.m. on a Thursday after never talking. You are a cutie, though. Let's do a reading together sometime.
5: To Matt, your loins, delicious. My attraction is not fictitious. I want to run you over with an 18-wheeler, surreptitious. The ghost of you I summon, superstitious. To remove you from my thoughts would be malicious.
0: Beyond loving partners and friends, other members of the campus community expressed their loves for parts of their daily life, for figures of their Princeton education.
3: To Roma Grilled Cheese, XOXO Rockyites. I love you, you get me through my miserable French classes.
0: To Coco Pops, thank you for being my family on campus. I wouldn't have wanted to experience college with anyone else. Before I got here, I was so worried that I wouldn't make any friends and that I would have to eat alone every day. I'm so glad I met all of you, Coco love.
9: To the King of Holder Hall, from your secret admirer. I was stricken the first time I saw you wearing your jorts and cowboy hat It was 10 p.m. on a Friday, snowy, and while the air was cold, my heart was set ablaze. The way you sung Prince and Katy Perry has left its mark on my heart. You may end up with a noise complaint, but I have no complaints about you having found your way into my life.
0: Two beautiful Black, Indigenous, and people of color, disabled people, queer people, and first-generation and low-income students from a small human. Thank you for making the world safer. Thank you for teaching me love and community and the importance of food and therapy. I love you for surviving. I love you for believing in love and creating it around you. You deserve softness every day and healing stews and natural sunlight and good sex. Love you. There are so many ways to tell somebody that you care. To those who shared their love letters with us, thank you from everybody here at WPRB News and Culture. that's our show. News and Culture is directed and hosted by yours truly, Adam Sanders. Tonight's show was reported, recorded, and produced by Izzy Jacobson, Issa Escamilla, Anna Salvatore, Clara McMeany, Charlie Nuremberger, Kat Ivkovic, Raina Kulabali, and Alan Plotz, and me, Adam Sanders. Our art and social media director is Issa Escamilla. Our director emeritus and technical advisor is Oliver Wang. The theme music for our show is Montanita by Ratatat. A special thank you to Clara Tujas, Julia Kingston, Alessandro Troncoso, and Nick Masters for providing their voices to our Open Love Letters segment. News and Culture is produced in Princeton, New Jersey, by WPRB Princeton. Community-supported, independent radio. Take care and enjoy your evening.